Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today is the conclusion to our series called Forgiveness, God's Master Key. For the last several weeks, we've been discovering the many ways that forgiveness affects our own lives. As we've been saying, forgiveness isn't about just letting someone off the hook for their offenses towards us. Forgiveness opens up God's power to come into our own lives. In the first week, Pastor Nicole talked about forgiveness unlocking healing in our lives. Then Pastor Quint Lindblad joined us to share how we can unlock blessings when we forgive and how through forgiveness we can bless others. Last week, Pastor Jonathan Mendoza showed us how to unlock God's peace through forgiveness. Today, Pastor Nicole is going to examine how we overcome bitterness through forgiveness. And we'll see that forgiveness is both an event and a process, but when we're willing to commit to both, we can find the key to our freedom. So let's conclude our series today. Here's Pastor Nicole. How many in this room have ever been to Yellowstone Park? Anyone ever been to Yellowstone Park? Okay, many of you. Um, Well, there is something in Yellowstone Park called a grizzly bear. I have a picture. Uh, I like to see my grizzly bears in a zoo behind a gate. That's my preferable way. Uh, But I was reading uh, this week that grizzly bears in Yellowstone Park often come to eat at the place where garbage is dumped. This huge bear can fiercely fight and beat almost any animal in the park. Like, you don't mess with the grizzly bear. He gets the pick of the garbage that he wants. Um, However, there is one animal that the grizzly bear will share his food with. Now, this bear uh, could easily kill this little creature. This bear outweighs it by 10 times. This bear is far more fierce. But yet, this bear allows this creature to intrude anytime it pleases. Can you guess what animal that is? Yes, the skunk. (laughs) Why? Why doesn't the grizzly bear attack the skunk? It could squash him, right, in any moment. It's because even the bear knows the high cost of getting even. (laughs) Even the bear knows the high cost of getting even. Today we're finishing up a month-long series on forgiveness. This Wednesday, August 3rd at 6 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, we will have a special night of forgiveness. Um, There will be worship, there'll be testimonies, there'll be a special activation you will not want to miss. Please plan to come, bring someone with you. Um, The high cost of of getting even is never worth it. Even the bear knows the skunk is not worth the fight. (laughs) And so come on Wednesday, there won't be any skunks or bears, but we will take care of what I believe God is asking us to in this season. Um, Today I asked um, my great friend and member of this church, Mark Furman, to help me share this message from God's word. So can you thank him for coming up here this morning? Thank you, Pastor. Yes, we're so glad. We're going to hear a little bit from him today. Uh, but let me start with this. Um, forgiveness, really our, our theme of this whole month, is not an optional part of the Christian life. Christianity is primarily about forgiveness. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we must forgive. We have no other choice. And we have to forgive as God has forgiven us, which is freely completely, graciously, totally. The miracle we have received of forgiveness is a miracle that we have to pass on to others. And God began the way of forgiveness. 
God began the way of forgiveness. Remember, God stepped onto the earth as Jesus, our Redeemer. Jesus lived a perfect life, a life we could not and would not live. And he was the person and the picture of God. And he forgave our sins on the cross so we could be in eternity forever with him. I want to, yes, thank you, Jesus, for that. In John 7, there's a... a, passage I want to read to you this morning that we're going to talk through today. Um, And this really demonstrates forgiveness in a powerful way. So follow along with me as I read in verse 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Okay, as you can imagine, uh, this woman is just kind of making a spectacle of herself. Okay, she is just overwhelmed with seeing Jesus. And so she's taking a very expensive thing, and she's breaking it, and she is standing at his feet. She's, she's weeping, and she's using her own hair to wipe his feet. And the other people in the room are, are kind of watching and wondering, well, what are you doing? And in verse 44, it says, then Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Simon was in the room wondering what was happening. He says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And what Jesus is teaching us here is that we will forgive to the extent that we appreciate how much we have been forgiven. Let me say that again. That we will forgive to the extent that we appreciate how much we have been forgiven by Jesus. You know, the best incentive to forgiveness is to remember how much God has already forgiven you. Now, I don't often give uh, the instruction or the advice to think back on the sin in your life, okay? We, we wanna live in freedom, right? We wanna know that we're forgiven. But just for a moment, just for a moment, for the purposes of understanding Jesus, just for a moment, I want you to think of how many sins that he has covered, how many sins that he has covered for you. Think of what your life would look like right now if every decision, every bad decision you made brought the biggest consequence. Think about right now the punishment that you deserved that did not happen to you, that will not happen to you because of God's grace. Jesus says in verse 47, he who has been forgiven little loves little but he has been forgiven much, (laughs) loves much. And your willingness to forgive is in direct proportion to your remembrance of how much you have been forgiven. In the very first message I preached in the beginning of this month, uh, we looked at how during the crucifixion of Christ, uh, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we talked about who's them, right? What did Jesus mean by them? Well, it was the soldiers, It was the mob, it was the disciples, 
It was Pilate, it was Judas, it was Peter, it was the Jewish leaders. But we talked about then, and I'm going to tell you again today, it was also you and it was also me. Our sin led Jesus to the cross. And Jesus was praying that prayer for us. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. We have been forgiven of so much. And did you know that you are never more like Jesus than when you forgive? You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. And there is no weakness in forgiveness. Sometimes I think the world tries to tell us, uh, don't let anybody cross you twice. <laughs> Make sure that, that you stick up for yourself. Make sure you're strong or, or you have a comeback for everything. But Jesus is saying, listen, there is no weakness in forgiveness. In fact, it is often the very strongest thing that you can do is to offer forgiveness to someone. And Jesus is teaching here in John 7, when you forgive, you demonstrate that you are a true child of God. He's saying, hey, Simon, listen, look at this woman. You see what she did? That's what I want you to do. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. God specializes in being kind to the unkind. God specializes in showing mercy to mean people. That's what he's best at. And he specializes in showering grace upon sinners and loves to turn enemies into friends. And when we love our enemies, we're showing forth the character of God to the world and we're proving we're part of God's family. So I asked Mark to just share a little bit um, about your forgiveness journey. I know you had a lot of stories really you could pull from, but there were some that I thought were really significant and helpful for us today. So would you share a little bit? Sure. Thank you, Pastor. So many of you know the incredible journey we went through with our daughter, Lindsay, when she had a heart transplant. In fact, she just celebrated her 21st heart birthday uh, two weeks ago. It's unbelievable. Amen. But <clears throat> what most of you wouldn't have any clue about is we had our biggest trial in our lives during my personal journey of many, many years of unforgiveness and a really, really bitter heart. My, my wife, Dara, and I, we got married in October of 1981, and shortly thereafter, the pastor who founded our church um, that we belonged to uh, had a severe moral failure, and the church folded as a result. He also owned a business that both my wife and I were employed at, and as a result of all of this turmoil, there was a severe layoff. And so after just four months of marriage, here we were, without a church and without a job. Um, and just as a side note to everyone, especially young men, um, that first Christmas that my wife and I were married, I learned that when your wife agrees that we're not going to buy presents for each other, their idea of nothing is not the same as our idea of nothing. All right, just saying, okay? Yeah, write that down, that's a good one. All right, so within a year or two of our personal crisis, there were a handful of big-name national ministries that also came crashing down due to moral failures or greed or both. And it was just, with each one of those, I could just feel the grip of indignation rising up in me and grabbing my heart. It, it was not a good situation. But I was done with organized religion and with organized church. But me and God, hey, we had our thing. We're good, right? We're good. But I had checked out of going to church for several years. You know, but the not so funny thing about bitterness and unforgiveness, they don't just stay in their original lanes. They start to spill over into many areas of your life. Soon, a critical spirit starts to take hold of one area of your life after another. Judgment 
judgment becomes the lens that everything passes through. So biting sarcasm toward my wife and children, short temper, selfish impatience were just a handful of traits that grew as time went on. I could spot anyone's fault a mile away, all right? I was like a trained sharpshooter. In my mind, I'd become the jury, the judge, the executioner, and they were all guilty as charged. Well, let's fast forward. I'm here, so let's hope something changed, right? Okay. But how I got to this place of forgiveness is really, it's a miracle. That's the only word I can come up with. As our children were growing up, we decided that we wanted to come back to church and have them exposed to Christianity. So we started coming to church again. But just to be honest, we were the last to arrive, right? We were first to leave, and we were back row churchgoers. As soon as pastor would say, now let us bow our heads to pray, we are out of there. So there was a person convicted during one of the national ministry scandals of the 1980s. He was a treasurer of the PTL club and his name was Richard Dorscht. Our pastor told us that Mr. Dorscht was going to be preaching the following Sunday. Not to me, uh-uh, not gonna be there. There was no way I was gonna be at church that Sunday, but God, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, had other plans. Can you guess where I was sitting that next Sunday? Right there. Right there. Yep, we were there. Richard Dorsch told us about what God had done in his heart during his two-year prison term. He told a story about being confronted by a, a fellow inmate. His name was Joe LaMotta. That name may not sound familiar to you, but he was the son of the famous middleweight boxer named Jake LaMotta. The movie Raging Bull, starring Robert De Niro, is about Jake LaMotta's life. So Joe didn't want to hear it from the preacher boy, and neither did I. Richard Dorch was in prison with the rest of the common criminals. He was no better than any of them. Well, just like Joe LaMotta, I sure didn't want to hear about being forgiven from a man that represented everything that I had grown to despise. Yet there I sat watching and listening to a man of God, or pardon me, to a man that God had crushed. I saw repentance, forgiveness, and grace on display as I had never seen it before. He used the word that day that really stuck with me. It's the word contrite. You know what that word means? It means crushed, crushed to a fine power. Richard Dorsch had been crushed by the hand of God and was never the same, and neither was Joe LaMotta. You see, Richard Dorsch led Joe LaMotta to Christ while he was in prison. And shortly after Joe served his time, he died in a tragic plane crash along with over 200 people over Nova Scotia in September of 1998. The power of forgiveness, the lengths that God uses to reach us is truly amazing. God used Richard Dorsch to pull Joe LaMotta and me out of our prisons of unforgiveness. I can't imagine where I'd be without it. So good. Can you just thank God for Mark's testimony? You know, uh, what I pulled out of what he said and what I want to share with you today is that biblical forgiveness is a deliberate decision. Biblical forgiveness is a deliberate decision. You know, we likely won't ever feel like forgiving someone. 
I just want to let you know now. <laughs> Usually you don't wake up in the morning and say, I feel forgiving today. That is actually not part of how we're wired. Our natural selves, our humanity is wired to get even. It's wired to hold grudges. If you wait until you feel like it, it may never happen. Biblical forgiveness is the decision to drop the offense and to let it go. I want to talk through what that practically means uh, this morning. As I've been going through this series, I've talked with many people, and they've asked me great questions like, yeah, I want to forgive someone, but how do I do that? (laughs) What does that mean? What does that look like? And so the first thing, practically it means this, that we have to refuse to bring the offense, uh, bring up the offense to use against the offender. Refuse to bring up the offense to use against the offender. In Hebrews 8.12, God says, For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't forget like he can't remember. Okay, God knows everything. This means that God will not bring up any of our offenses against us in the future. We don't have to worry about that. Someone say hallelujah, okay? That never again will God say, Hey, remember when you did that really stupid thing? Because when he forgives us, he says, I'm not going to remember that anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intentionally forget it. And to forgive someone is to promise not to bring the matter up again to use against them. You might remember the passage. It may have been read at your wedding one day. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You know what that means? That you don't reach back in your bag of offenses and you say, you know what? I'd love to trust you, but last February you lied to me. Forget it. Or in 1995, you really had a bad attitude about that situation, and that's all. I'm sure your attitude is just extended for 35 years. <laughs> that's, I didn't do the math on that one, but that's all right. Let's forget. Move on. Forgive me. You know, God doesn't forgive just some of our sins. Saving some others to help, uh, to bring up later when he needs some leverage against us, he forgives them all. And so what's important for us to know, too, is we can't say to someone, listen, I forgive you for this, but I'm not going to forgive you for that. Forgiveness has to be total. And forgiveness means that we bury the offense and we do not mark the grave so we can find it again. We bury the offense and we don't mark the grave. We don't leave the hatchet handle exposed so we can pull it up whenever we want to. It's total. It's final. We refuse to bring the offense up against the offender. Here's the second one. When we make the biblical decision to forgive, we have to refuse to talk to others about the offense. Can we all just groan in unison just for a minute? Like, oh, really? Really? Because if you say that you forgive someone and then you tell others about the offense, you are trying to make the offender pay for their sin in some way. But when you forgive, you choose to drop the matter. You wipe the slate clean. You bite your tongue when you want to tell someone what the other person is really like. You hold back from agreeing with someone else when they air a grievance about the same person. Listen, this is hard. This is really hard. But this is what actively making a biblical decision is to forgive. 
Now, one exception would be if you fear that the offender may be trying to repeat his or her sin toward another person and it's dangerous, okay? There are times that law enforcement needs to get involved or parents or teachers or other helpers. I am speaking about situations that are not dangerous to others, okay? There are obviously many levels of offenses. But what I'm really talking about and the thing that we really need to get good at is when someone is uh, short or critical or mean to us and then when someone else talks about it, we go, oh yeah, well, let me tell you what they did to me, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. Refuse to add, refuse to, to talk about it with other people about the offender. Here's the third one. The decision to forgive means we must be reconciled with the offender as far as biblically possible. You know, God forgives us so that we may be reconciled to him and enjoy a close relationship with him. And when we forgive others, we should seek to restore the broken relationship. Now, this does not always and cannot always mean that you're going to then be best of friends with that person. Okay, that's not what I, I even believe biblically what this is talking about. But it should at least mean that you're cordial and you're friendly towards the person. To say, I forgive you, but I never want to see your ugly face again, not really what Jesus has in mind. Okay, that's not the goal here. Okay, I, I forgive you, but I hate you. No, okay, this is not what God wants us to do is be able to live in civil, cordial partnership, particularly with other Christians that we're going to spend eternity with, particularly. Now, unfortunately, every time we forgive someone, reconciliation does not happen. Forgiveness depends on you. Hear me say this. Forgiveness depends on you. Reconciliation depends on you plus the other person. You can't control the other person. Okay, you can't decide what they're going to do, but you can decide what you're going to do. In fact, recently, um, I reached out to someone to ask their forgiveness for something that I did that hurt this person. And I, I repented. I confessed. I was hopeful that we could restore our relationship. However, that person was not ready to accept or extend the same sentiment back. In fact, as I reached out my hand to um, try to reconcile, it felt as if they bit my hand. You know, they, they punched back with a lot of really difficult things. And listen, it was hard. It was hurtful. But I knew that I did all I could. And I knew that forgiveness depended on me. And I did all I biblically possibly could. And now I can wait in hopeful reconciliation someday when God works on their heart. This sounds like hard work, doesn't it? It is. <laughs> it, it, it is frustratingly hard work. But it is work that will literally save your life. It is work that will literally save your soul. That's what the scripture says. Now, it's important to remember, biblical forgiveness is both an event and a process. Biblical forgiveness is both an event and a process. It's an event or a moment because at some point, you have to decide to forgive. There is a moment that you have to come face to face with the offense and you have to decide, I am going to forgive you. And I want you to know, I've been praying that that moment happens during this month in many of you. That has been my prayer. That you will come to a decision, to a moment, to an event where you will say, it's time now. It's time now. I, I need to work on forgiving my mom. I, want, I need to work on forgiving my ex. I need to work on forgiving a teacher. I need to work on forgiving whoever it is that has offended you, my pastor. And in that moment, I want you to know, in that moment of decision, everything won't just go away. 
The pain and the hurt and the consequences of that sin will still be around you. So forgiveness is not just an event, it's also a process. It's a process that will take time and have to be repeated over and over. I spoke with a woman recently whose husband abandoned her for another uh, woman, leaving her with a young child to raise. And as she told me the story, she said this, I guess I've forgiven him a million times. I forgive him over and over and over every day. And you know what I was thinking? Um, Forgiveness is such a process because sometimes there's so much pain and hurt in our lives, and we know that when, in that moment, we decide to forgive, it's not going to just all go away. It made me think of um, forgiveness, it's like laundry. It's never done, am I right? Am I right? Okay, it's never, ever done. It's always in progress. Wash, rinse, dry, repeat. Wash, rinse, dry, repeat. My dryer doesn't work the first time, so I got to dry twice, every single load. Wash, rinse, dry, repeat. Have you ever done all the laundry in your house and then you look around and you're like, everyone's wearing clothes? Like, this is so infuriating right now because I thought I was done. Thanks for laughing. Mark's laughing at my jokes. That's why I brought him up here. The rest of you. Forgiveness is a process. But let me tell you, God is patient with you. God is patient with you. And he says, wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Forgive, forgive, forgive until you can live in freedom. Until you can leave it in the past. So how do we know? How do we know when we've truly forgiven someone? Let me give you just a couple things. When you've truly forgiven someone, you no longer think about it day and night. You no longer talk about it all the time. You no longer feel the need to seek revenge. And when you see or think about that person who hurt you, you can genuinely wish them well. That's how you know you've forgiven. If you have said, I've forgiven that person, but some of these things aren't true, wash, rinse, repeat. (laughs) Okay, again, and again, and again, and again. And someday that process will complete. And God will bring that freedom that you need. As Mark and I talked kind of leading up to today, he has a really practical example of how you've had to live out a biblical, deliberate choice to forgive. Will you share that today? Sure. Thank you, Pastor. So our family faced a a serious falling out between some of my siblings and my dad during the last year of his life. Perhaps this is something that you all can relate to. So during the last 30 years of my dad's life, he had become my best friend. Uh, But as he grew older, that relationship started to change. That whole parent-child thing started to flip and turn upside down. So there were awkward, frustrating, humiliating, and embarrassing moments. There were hurtful moments. But it really didn't matter because my dad and I had been through a lot in the past, and we were in it for the long haul. In the last year of my dad's life, things came to light (laughs) about his actions and his words towards a few of the family members that caused a serious fracture with some of my siblings. They stepped away from my dad and stopped all communication. Hearts needed mending, scars needed healing, time needed to pass. But what if time runs out? I had a sense of urgency knowing that my dad's time was short and I knew from firsthand experience that unresolved bitterness and unforgiveness would only lead to a miserable end for everyone involved. 
You can't mend relationships when one of them is in the grave. We've all heard the analogy that bitterness and unforgiveness are like poison pills that we take and hope it kills our enemies. I mean, how crazy is that logic? It doesn't make any sense at all. But that's not how unforgiveness works. The very prison that we hope captures our enemy is the one that we're in. That's how that works. My dad was dying now. His time was very short, and we didn't know at the time, but there was only a few days remaining. And I didn't really know how the outcome was going, going to come out. There were a lot of, there was a minefield of raw emotions and conflicting you know, feelings that we had, and it was like, how are we going to get through all of this? Where's the path to forgiveness? The way forward was not obvious, and the outcome was anything but certain. If anyone who's ever lived on this planet understood and demonstrated forgiveness, it's Jesus Christ. In the great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus turns everyone's understanding about the kingdom of God on its ear. And after Jesus teaches us how to pray in verses 9 through 13, he goes on to say, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. I'm going to say that again. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that, that's pretty, pretty heavy stuff. But what kind of God asks us to pray for our enemies and forgive people who hurt us? Does that make any sense? He's a God who knows that we will never be made whole or became, become all that we need to become in God's eyes unless we do. My dad only had hours to live now. What started as an uncomfortable reunion melted into words of forgiveness, love, comfort, hugs. God's mercy and grace had found a way. My dad was at peace with God and with his family, and then he slipped into eternity. I truly believe that Christian forgiveness is the most powerful force in this world. It has the power to change hearts and lives like nothing else can. Forgiveness is the true key to freedom. Earlier in this series, we, we um, passed out these keys um, that we asked everyone to hang on to and just see, uh, as they would see them through um, their week, that they would remember that this is what we're talking about. And today, in kind of the finale of this series, the key to freedom is forgiveness. And so here's my question for you today. What pain do you desire freedom from? What heartache? What emotional turmoil? What, what relationship has caused uh, some very difficult things in your life because of uh, pain that they have inflicted maybe on you or around you? The key to freedom is forgiveness. I love what you said, Mark, about the prison. I think that um, thinking, I think of the most famous prison in the world is Alcatraz, right? It's one of the world's most escape-proof prisons. It's on, a, uh, on an island in the San Francisco Bay, and now it's just a tourist attraction. But I was thinking about how even Alcatraz pales in comparison to the prison of unforgiveness. And so I want to just show you uh, to end today an illustration that Jesus just revealed to me uh, during this series. I asked Mark if he would help me, and, and I have some others that are going to help me today. 
When we have an offense, like Mark described in his testimony, um, I imagined it in my mind like a heavy rope uh, connecting us to the person that we're offended by. And over time, over our lives, there are lots of chances to get offended. Chances from uh, people, people we love, people we work with, people in our families. And each time, it's like a, a rope tying us up, weighing us down, restricting our freedom. And we begin to feel hopeless, stuck even, hurting. These are things that maybe we can't even identify, but maybe if you're feeling hopeless or depressed or anxious or hurt, that this is supernaturally what your life looks like, is there's offenses that have been from past and present uh, that are growing and, and that, are, that are restricting you, that are making you feel stuck. And we will never be set free until we forgive. We will never be set free until we release the offender, until we let go of the rope. Like we won't experience the freedom that Jesus has to offer unless we do that. Like we talked about today, in order to have freedom, we have to make the deliberate decision to forgive. Here's the thing, the other person may never let go of their rope. I mean, Pastor Adam might never let go of his rope and you can't, uh, you can't do it for him. But what Mark could do is let go of his side. You have control to forgive people. You don't have control for them to let go of their offense, but you have full control to forgive people that have offended you on your end. You can untangle yourself from the pain of unforgiveness with Jesus' help. And forgiveness always helps us because it sets us free from fear and guilt. It sets us free from anger and bitterness so that we can get on with the life that Jesus has for us. It's a transforming gift from God. Forgiveness is the key to freedom. There is power in the Jesus. There is power in the name Jesus. There is power. Here's our response today. Would you stand up? As your pastor, I want to tell you today, we need to get really serious about this forgiveness thing. Like really, really serious because it's really important. If you're part of the prayer team, uh, I want you to come up. Uh, if you're a pastor that is able to pray, come up and just uh, stand across this front. We have some anointing oil, and we're gonna just worship to this song. It's called Break Every Chain. I want you to come and get anointed. Ask God for the strength to drop the rope. <laughs> Ask God for the strength to drop the rope of offense that, that maybe you have, that you've carried, uh, the, uh, an offense in your past, an offense in your present. Can I tell you today that you can get prayer to drop offenses that are coming? <laughs> that you're ready, that you're prepared. If you come down to respond today, you're not like declaring, yeah, I'm offended. 
You're just saying, look, I want to live a forgiving life. I want to live in a forgiving spirit. You know, some of you have been hurt, deeply hurt. And if you were able to tell your story today, no one would blame you for being hurt. No one would blame you for being offended or cold toward or closed off to others. But Jesus is saying this, he doesn't want you in that prison of unforgiveness. Like he wants you to live a life of freedom and between you and him, you can forgive. God can do it. And so I'm just gonna ask you to respond today. Would you come down? We're just gonna put a little anointing oil on your head. We're not gonna pray super long prayers. It's just gonna be a a quick uh, anointing oil. God, help us drop the rope. And as you return to your seat, just ask the Lord uh, to help you forgive. Maybe it's somebody you've been working on forgiving for a long time. I wanna remind you, wash, rinse, dry, and repeat, okay? Say, God, here we go again. But I need your help on this one. It's hard, it's not easy. And I believe that God's gonna break every chain. He's gonna do something here today miraculous. Maybe it's the start of the event. Maybe you're saying, I decide to forgive, or maybe this is just part of your process. But in either way, we need to do both. We need to do both. And so would you come now and respond as we sing this song?
pray here in just a moment. If you uh, wish you would have came and you thought, oh, I should have went down to get prayer for, the, wor- the prayer team's going to stay here for just a minute, and the worship team's going to sing that through one more time. But let me pray over you. And if you're ready to leave for the day, have an awesome day. But let me just pray for us as a group. Father, I thank you for this month. I thank you, Lord, for um, these men and women who are willing to to dig into a very uh, difficult topic at times. Jesus, you have forgiven us of so much. God, you have forgiven us of so much. And so, Jesus, will you teach us to walk in forgiving love toward each other? Will you help us uh, put the past in the past? Would you help us drop the rope? Would you help us out of the prison of forgiveness? Would you help us walk into freedom? Lord, we know it won't be easy, but we know it will be worth it. And we know it's what you ask us to do. And so God, with determination and with grit and with courage, we come to you, Lord, and we, we pray that you would help us forgive those who have hurt us. God, we love you. We commit ourselves to the event and the process of forgiveness. And we give you praise. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.